What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 150. Congratulations, Zach. 150. Congratulations, Brent. It's 150. There we go. It's good stuff. It's weird because now that we're such an, in such a groove, like I didn't even notice it coming up until we did 149 last time. And I'm like, yeah. oh, hey, <laughs> we're almost at 150. Yep. Look at that. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Resurrection. Friends, we're an independent podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. There are tiers and privileges, and Zach will tell us a little bit about that, but one of the things that you get access to right away is the Patreon-first audio content. We've got a few shows up there for your uh, ears. Uh, we've got The Other Side of the Gate, where good friend of the show, quasi-executive producer David and Zach talk about thematic things and spoilery things, uh, big picture stuff that generally I really shouldn't listen to if I want to stay spoiler-free, though uh, I suspect Right As we're wrapping up season seven, there's only eight, nine, and ten to go. I'm not exactly sure how many more spoilerific things might... Well, I don't know. I say that, I don't know, last week, last week a beloved character just died. So I don't even know anymore. Okay, never mind. So yeah, they so, can talk about uh, all sorts of spoilers. I'll, I'll tell you this, Brent. Yeah. Right? Um, that while there are certainly things that um, would definitely be considered spoilers yes. moving forward... Um, and there are certainly some big ones for Atlantis and such. Sure. Uh, we're not worrying about that right now. No. Um, the, I, I think that like most of the, the you know, losing your jaw type <laughs> of spoilers um, have passed. Okay. Um, okay. Um, which, which means, I mean, on a, on a practical level, you know, theoretically, it's like we are now at a point in the show that I could safely take you to a convention for Stargate. Yeah. And feel confident that you wouldn't get something utterly ruined. Oh man, speaking of, so Zach and I were just talking about we'll get we'll get into the details in a little bit later. We were just talking about the the many weeks ahead of us. One of the things that we didn't even talk about Zach, which I, I, as we were talking about it, this is this isn't going to happen. <laughs> this isn't going to happen. There's that star happen. that Stargate convention that's in what, 3 weeks? No. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that's not we're not going to be there um which we had somebody uh, ask i think it was dan that was asking you know if we're going to be there and it'd be fun to meet up and it would be fun to meet up um it's just we've got no not this time around so <laughs> you know, uh, assuming that there is a stargate convention next summer yeah um that might be something that we could uh if we are proactive look into and and plan for because yeah. that would be a lot of fun i think um, i genuinely think that we should at least put some serious thought behind. So friends, what we're talking about is that there's a convention in the Chicagoland area. It's in Rosemont specifically, and they have it every year. I don't know if they had it, you know, last year or the year before, but you know, they've had it for many years. And, um, I did meet, do you remember we did, uh, we, we met up with, uh, the folks that do, um, Chevron's, Chevron's locked. locked. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, uh, briefly recorded something that we were planning to do as a joint episode. It never really materialized, which is fine. Just the easy things happened. They, they, they took a break. I think they're back recording even just recently. Um, but point is, is that I have, I've been in the vicinity. I didn't go in cause I didn't want to see any spoilers and there were people walking by and I'm like, what's that all about? And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not gonna, not gonna think about well, it. We were still recording season one or maybe season two at that it point. It was pretty so. early on. Yeah. <laughs> it was early days, but anyway, yeah. So 23, 2023, 
Um, I think that a person could say that there is probably a better than 50% chance that we'll go to that convention. I think that's probably the way to say it. Like, not guaranteed at all. There's plenty of stuff that can get in the way between here and there, no doubt about it. But you know what? As I'm gazing into my crystal ball right now, it looks more likely than not. So if you're able to hit that convention, consider doing it. That might be pretty fun. So yeah. anyway, it's not happening this year, though. No, it's um, not. So yeah, what were we talking about? Other side of the gate. That's right. Yeah. So you were saying spoilery things. You could, you'd be feeling fine taking me to a convention that I wouldn't get spoilt. Yes. Now, speaking of spoilers... No, that's not speaking of spoilers at all. One of the other one of the other shows that we've got is uh, Stargate Second Chances. It's like the opposite of spoilers. Um, it's uh, it's refresheners, and um, the, the what we do there is that we based off of your votes. Is it is it the Febreze of podcasts? <laughs> squirt squirt. Hey, this smells better. <laughs> Which is, which has happened. We've we've rewatched episodes and been like, wow, this is actually a lot better than I thought it was. Um, and so we rewatch episodes based off of your votes. We give it another go with our you know quick analysis. It's not quite as in depth as what we do here, but uh, it's it's still we give it another pass. We re rank them, and then uh, that that hits the Patreon feed first as well. And then lastly, the um, the, the, the 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 guilty pleasure that I'm having with Stargate Infinity. We lost a bet where we watched the non canonical animated series from the early 2000s, Stargate Infinity. Uh, based off of a stretch goal that we had that we laughed at when we first made it. And here we are making it every month. And so um, we're up to episode, I think, four. Uh, that sounds right. We're going to have episode five here probably pretty soon. And uh, that's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something else. I know that I say it like that every time, partly because I don't want to spoil you. What do you know? I mean, maybe maybe we like it. Maybe we hate it. We probably hate it. Anyway, um. So all that stuff is available on Patreon first. Now, if you cannot or will not support the show on Patreon, have no fear. All of that content makes it to the main feed, particularly when we want to take breaks, though. Uh, <laughs> I keep making allusions, Zach, um, though we, we we were talking about our end of season seven planning, beginning of season eight planning. And uh, I got to tell you that um, I'm probably. Well, I guess we would go through all the back catalog while we're on our break. Anyway, um, there's gonna we put it in our main feed when we want to take a break. That's sort of the main thing I'm talking about. I am rambling, which is hilarious because I got ways, a lot of stuff to do. Friends, this weekend um, I'm packing up the house because we're moving, um, but also I am finishing up the like cleanup and renovation that I've been doing on the new place that we've been going to. So I've been that's been the thing that's been occupying a lot of my time recently. So um, got to get to that. So let's see here. Where am I at with my notes? It's a lot of fun. Don't worry. All of our content makes it to the main feed, which you have found. There we go. Yes. So if anybody that you know wants to have better uh, Stargate content uh, than they currently have, they should absolutely look us up. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Pod Pop. We're on Pod-pie-pop. Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. Uh, but what they should do is that they should get Overcast or Pocket Casts or there's a whole host of other ones. Those are the only ones I can think of right now. Stitch, Stitch Fix? I can't remember. No, that's the... That's the clothes. Stitcher. That's what I'm trying to think of. Um, and they can search for walking through the Stargate and find us there. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a, sir, if a person wants to let us uh, know that we should get on with it. Get on with it. How get might they, on uh, with it. How might they reach out and let us know that I, uh, I took us down a rambling path today? 
Well, you know, if you really appreciated Brent's uh, stream of consciousness thought there at the beginning of this podcast and want to share how much you loved it, uh, you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, or on the flip side, if you got totally lost in his uh, existential reality or whatever it is that he's that dealing would, with, that would make two uh, of us. You, you can totally email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com uh-huh. and tell us there uh-huh. or you can go to the Twitters or the Facebooks yes you know what tell go to the Facebooks and tell us that you got lost in Brent's existential uh, process yeah yeah okay um, because that would just be fun <laughs> especially because I just don't go to Facebook so you could absolutely yeah. just 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 rip on me and I, I would be none oh. wiser of course you can also go visit our website wtts.space Space. check out the discord the discord is really where most of the stuff yeah. is happening yeah um, you know we said welcome to a couple new people who joined us there so welcome to you all mm-hmm. um uh you know that's where we do the most interaction um in in our social media because that's what we have the capacity for yep um and uh you know as this summer progresses as uh you know uh, brent alluded to uh we're not going to be doing a weekly podcast this no. summer very no. much at all no uh because brett needs to take some time off yes. to get his house in order yeah, i've got some things coming up that i need to take uh some time off to navigate mm-hmm. um so uh discord is going to be the where place to go to yep. get all of the uh you know firsthand uh information about what's going on as the summer progresses yep uh, and of course, you can go to patreon.com slash walking through the stargate and join the Patreons there. Um, the biggest thing that we've got for you all is the chance to vote. Uh, you get a number of votes per month, depending on what tier you're at. And those votes go to the Second Chances podcast. Mm-hmm. And so you vote on episodes. And when that, those episodes get to 10, uh, we will do a Second Chances uh, rewatch of those. Uh, we've got a few in the queue that need to be taken care of, and so yep. that's definitely one of the things that we will get done this summer while yes. we are taking our official break. We won't be breaking. Nope. We'll be doing other things. Yes. So uh, that's what we have going on there. So, yeah. Brent. Yes. This is the 150th episode of Walking Through the Stargate. Yes, it is. Woohoo! It is the 151st episode of... Uh, Stargate SG-1. Man, I can't believe they killed Janet on 150. You know, you got to do something special on the big numbers, <laughs> and killing Janet is definitely something special. I guess so. Uh, it's at least, you know, wrenching. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. But in any case, this is our 150th episode, mm-hmm. and shall we dig into Resurrection? Yeah, let's get into this. All right. So, the director for this episode is none other than Amanda Tapping. Yes, I saw that. Yep. This is her only directing credit for Stargate SG-1. Gotcha. Uh, This is actually her first directing credit, according to IMDb. Okay. Um, Now, once she finishes Stargate, she goes on to her own show, Sanctuary. And then basically, once she has finished Sanctuary, much of her career has been directing pretty much full-time. Gotcha. So this is where that gets started. Very nice. Uh, The teleplay for this episode is by Michael Shanks. I saw that too. Uh, this is his only teleplay credit for SG-1. Uh-huh. He did have a shared story credit for Evolution Part 1, uh-huh. but uh, this is an actual teleplay credit. Yeah, um, nice. And according to IMDb, this is his only writing credit. Okay, all right. So, 
Uh, we have some guest actors for this. We have Peter Fleming, who returns as Agent Malcolm Barrett, mm-hmm. uh, a good NID agent. We yes. have Bill Dow returning as Dr. Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we have Kristen Dalton, who plays Anna or yeah. Sekhmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born in 1966 in San Diego County, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is an actress and a producer known for The Departed, uh, Jack Reacher, and Steel Rain. Those are some of her highlights gotcha. there, according mm-hmm. to IMDb. Mm-hmm. Her first IMDb credit came in 1989 in the movie Tango and Cash. Oh, I know of that movie. I do, too. Uh, She played the character of Lynn in that. Gotcha. So, and then we uh, say hello to Brad uh, Greenquist, Mm -hmm. who is Dr. Keffler. Mm -hmm. He was uh, born in 1959. He is an actor and casting director known for Pet Cemetery, Mm -hmm. uh, Ali, and Water for Elephants. Mm, Okay. Okay. he has been a guest in like every show imaginable throughout his career. <laughs> mm-hmm. His first IMDb credit came in 1984 mm-hmm. in the movie Mutants in Paradise. Mutants in Paradise. Uh, and and with a title like that, I had to check that out. Of course. Uh, by the way, uh, Brad plays the character of Steve Awesome. In Mutants in Paradise. Steve Awesome? In Mutants in Paradise? Oh, yeah. So, here here is the description of Mutants in Paradise. Uh Uh A team of scientists create a pair of genetically modified super beings, Uh but they must thwart Russian agents who are out to capture their creations. Okay. Now, a total of 50 people have rated this movie on IMDb. <laughs> right? 50 uh-huh. people. And these 50 people are the people who, like, must, like, love this movie because this is not the type of movie that just randos rate. No. And they rate this movie 3.6. Out of 10? Out of 10. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is a movie that I want to go see. I know. I know. I bet you that it's got to. I wonder if there's been an MST3K on it. (laughs) Oh, it's entirely possible. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So those are our guest actors for this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The original air date for this episode is February 27, 2004 Mm -hmm. in the U.S. and February 17, 2004 in the U.K. Mm -hmm. Number one on the charts uh, in the U.S. was Yeah by Usher, featuring Little John and Ludacris. Ah, yeah. And in the U.K., they were listening to Who's David? David is the quasi-showrunner of the podcast. Yes. Walking through the story. Yes, that's who David is. That's who David is. Uh, and Busted sang Who's David? Busted sang Who's David? Wow. I, 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 wow. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I don't know. Don't even know. Now, another way to answer who's David is David is the ancestor of Jesus of Nazareth, according to the scriptures. Yes. And Passion of the Christ was number one. Oh, okay. Now. Yes. Why did he get killed? And why is it a passion? Because he went on 50 first dates. That's that's pretty twisted. that's, That's pretty sacrilegious right there. I know. <laughs> hey, everybody, I work at a church, so it's okay. 
It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I can joke about this. <laughs> As I said, all of this is pretty twisted. Number three. And the reason oh. this is twisted, because it's confessions of a teenage drama queen. Oh, okay. 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 And when we wake up and realize all of that is fake, it is a miracle. Oh, my goodness. That one works okay. Good job. No, no, I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. All right. So, those are our movies. Uh, what was happening at this time? On February 27th, 26th, in the U.S., uh, the U.S. lifts a ban on travel to Libya, ending travel restrictions to that nation that has la- that lasted 23 years. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah, I kind of remember that, sort I of. I kind of remember that. Yeah. Um, on February 28th, over 1 million Taiwanese participate in the 228 hand-in-hand rally uh, they form a 500-kilometer-long human chain. Wow! To commemorate the 228 incident in 1947. That's that's yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's huge. I wanted to look up what the 228 incident in 1947 was. Um, it was an anti-government uprising in Taiwan that was violently suppressed by uh, the. Uh, Kuomintang Governor Chen Yi and President Chiang Kai-shek killing thousands of civilians beginning on February 28, 1947. The number of deaths from the incident and the massacre was estimated to be 18 to 28,000 people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Jeez Louise. The incident was one of the most important events in Taiwan's modern history and was a critical impetus for the Taiwan independence movement. Yeah. Which totally makes sense. I pulled that from Wikipedia. Uh, And so then on uh, February 28, 2004, they have this 500-kilometer-long human chain commemorating that and Mm -hmm. remembering that. Mm -hmm. So, woofda. On February 29, uh, Jean-Bertrand Aristide resigns as president of Haiti following a popular rebel uprising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also on February 29, the 76th Annual Academy Awards uh, were held, mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, wins Best Picture and a whole host of everything. Yes. Uh, Sean Penn and Charlize Theron win Best Actor and Best Actress, respectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big deal. Uh, when the question was, will Lord of the Rings win Best Picture? Was it really the best picture? Was it the best of the three movies? Uh, and general consensus, well, it was a very, very good movie. It was winning Best Picture because of the entire trilogy. Yes, which was bonkers amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, all three of those movies were fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah. So, on March 1... Terry Nichols is convicted of state murder charges and being an accomplice to the Oklahoma City bomber, Timothy McVeigh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, there you go. Um, I have some trivia for this episode. Are you ready? Okay, yes. So, one of the buildings in the warehouse district had the name Hamilton Manufacturing on it. Okay. See that, but I'll, I'll believe it. Uh, this is located in Hamilton, Ontario. So, when they were in L.A., they were actually in Hamilton. 
Oh, I um, see. Yes. <laughs> and Hamilton manufacturer manufacturing manufactures whale stands, among other things. Whale stands? And I'm really curious as to what a whale stand is. Uh, mm. I didn't look it up, but I'm curious. Whale stands? I mean... I mean, the the image that comes to mind is like a display stand for a taxidermic whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which hopefully is, that's it. Yeah. Because the other one is that you know when you're when you're butchering a whale, <laughs> you need something to hold it. <laughs> um, both of those ideas though, um, makes me scratch my head because. Whaling had basically already been outlawed at this point in time. Oh, yeah. You know, and had been for a long time. So, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. So, you know, dear listener, if you are curious about what a whale stand is or happen to know what a whale stand is and want to go through the process of figuring that out or telling me or both, please do so. I would love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So when Dr. Daniel Jackson asks Anna about the pictures that she's drawing, mm-hmm. uh, you can see a charcoal drawing from the, of the ship from the episode Grace. Oh, nice. Um, which is just kind of a cool little nod to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I find that kind of cool. Uh, this episode does not feature a Stargate in it. Uh, yes, that's true. Nor does it feature a Richard Dean Anderson or Don S. Davis. I noticed that as well. Uh, so we don't say uh, see either of those things. So, you know, it's interesting for a Stargate episode to not have a Stargate in it at all. Right. Um, we also don't see the SGC or Cheyenne Mountain or any nope. of that stuff. Nope. Nope. We yep. only see L.A. in Ontario. Quote, L.A., yeah. Yeah. Um, this episode makes several references to the 1991 film Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have kind of a... Playful uh, Carter and Barrett have a playful exchange about referencing Hannibal Lecter and Clarice mm-hmm, Starling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is held in a square cell in the middle of a large room, which is similar to that used to hold Hannibal Lecter. Yep. And then, of course, Dr. Keffler's speech and mannerisms kind of has that uh, creepy quality of Hannibal Lecter, who yep. is also a deranged doctor. Yep. Yep. Uh, A couple other things about this episode. Uh, Filming for this episode began on Amanda Tapping's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Well, I mean, whatever. Yes. Right. Um, And this was actually the last episode filmed in the season. Aha. Okay. So when they finished this episode, um, they wrapped up season seven. Very nice. So why wasn't Richard Dean Anderson in this episode? Because he was already out. He had already cut the cake and was all like... This is great, friends. I'll see you next time. Maybe. Yep. Maybe. Yep. Um, so that's uh, that. Um, one of the ramifications of this being the last episode filmed is that oftentimes you'll film the episode and you'll just kind of, you know, film it. And then the editors will come back in a few days, a few weeks later and say, oh, I need you to make sure you have a close-up of this person's hand and that person's whatever, you know, to kind of fill in the details of things. And they do that several weeks later. Well, if you're closing, you can't do that, right? Right. So Amanda had to make sure that she got all of that stuff in while she was filming it first thing. Yeah. Uh, And one of the things that she did to uh, facilitate that or to um, mitigate that is a lot of her shots are big sweeping oneers, 
right? They, that the camera is moving yeah. throughout the shot, and yeah. so you have this big long cuts, and so that uh, that uh, makes it harder on the editors to you know snip and paste and cut and things and all that stuff. Yep. Um, uh, it's it's also a way of making a, a, an episode that is less exciting more exciting. Yeah. So uh, the title for this episode in every language that I can come found except mm-hmm. for German is mm-hmm. Resurrection. Okay. All right. And the Germans call this Anna. <laughs> course yeah i mean it's not like a spoiler but it's definitely like why not why not resurrection anyway all right yep gotcha yep. so are you ready brent for the synopsis of resurrection yeah let's get into this all right here we go the city los angeles the place a warehouse the man agent malcolm barrett the problem a massacre at this rogue nid safe house but he is not alone for he is called in backup. And who does he call? Ghostbusters! Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, do, do. No, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Not the Ghostbusters. <laughs> Friends, half the reason why this this po- this pro- project is so charming is that um, Zach and I don't plan to do any of the gags ahead of time. Not one. And I can't tell you how many times I have said to myself, oh, I should make sure the audio lines up on that because we were literally doing the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Uh, No, no, he doesn't call the Ghostbusters. He calls SG-1. Now, our title card team arrives, minus Colonel O'Neill, who is still recovering from getting shot in the gut by a staff weapon. All right, I suppose that's a reasonable excuse for why you're not in Los Angeles. Fine. So, what's going on at this rogue NID warehouse? Barrett gives SG-1 a tour, describing precisely this answer. First, 32 personnel ranging from scientists to guards to cleaning staff have been brutally murdered. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Mm -mm. And who did this? Well, next on the tour answers this question. Anna, a fragile-looking young woman, killed all these people. Yes, she did. Agent Barrett guides SG-1 to this giant open room with a single plexiglass cell in the middle of it. Now, they put Anna back in her cage after arriving. Yes, this is her cage. And she said that's where they kept her anyway. So she was fine with it. There was another survivor of this massacre, the German scientist Dr. Keffler. He's like Madonna or Cher. He only gets one name. <laughs> Every tour needs to have a stopover for a video, and this one is no different. Barrett shows SG-1 security tapes of the massacre. Anna can clearly be seen methodically moving through the facility, killing everyone she comes in contact with. After the video comes the exhibit hall, naturally. So they tour the exhibit hall. Daniel is super excited because this hall has all the Egyptian stuff in it. Most of it seems to have belonged to Sekhmet back in the day. Sekhmet was once a loyal loyal stooge of Ra, but then apparently tried to betray Ra and then got kicked out by Ra, so, you know, who knows. Mm -hmm. All this setup tells us without telling us that we're going to be dealing with some version of Sekhmet this week. And in this exhibit hall, they find an ark. A box. Mm -hmm. With giant scarab knobs in the corner that 
spin. What could it be? Brent, it's a bomb. We don't know that yet. <laughs> Let's try twisting these knobs a bunch of times. Yes, but, but you know, who knows? Uh, now, where did all this cool stuff for the exhibit come from? Well, Barrett assumes that it originally was collected by the Nazis back in the day since the files on single-name Keffler say that he's the son of a convicted Nazi war criminal. Now, Tilk and Daniel find the exhibit hall really cool. So they break off from the tour so they can stay behind and look at all the cool stuff in the exhibit hall while Barrett continues the tour of the massacre house by taking Carter to see none other than Mr. One Name himself, Keffler. Now, Dr. Keffler is being held in a small room under guard. He's clearly lost any sense of morality, and he's not very forthcoming on any information. Now, Barrett did find on his person some pills for his heart, as well as some weird remote that Keffler claims is for his car alarm. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Now, after meeting the designer of this horror theme park, the tour continues <laughs> to the lab. Barrett shows Carter some real Dr. Moreau-type stuff. Mm-hmm. Three jars of failed fetal experiments, not unlike the one that the Alien movie had in it. Oh, wait. Could Michael Shanks have stolen this plot idea from a very successful movie <laughs> franchise? <laughs> no, no, of no, course no, not. No, he no. wouldn't do that. No. Carter also finds a computer with encrypted files. Now, Barrett has already called in specialists to break the encryption, but... Carter's already here, and despite being told not to touch any of the exhibit items, she sits down and gets to work touching the exhibit items, breaking the encryption. Now, with the tour officially over, it's time to get down to business and solve this unsolved mystery. Mm -hmm. Daniel goes to speak with Anna. She claims she has no knowledge of killing anyone. She claims she didn't do it. As they talk, she reveals that Dr. Keffler created her, whatever that means, and that she's only ever had one birthday in her life, and that the myriad charcoal drawings on her wall are depictions from her nightmares that she doesn't want to d- draw them or display them, but, but someone makes her. Uh, she also has blackouts from time to time, so she's not sure what's going on there. Now, while talking with Anna... Daniel finds a drawing of the Ark with spinning scarabs and believes it to be a combination to unlock the Ark. He takes the drawing to Teal'c, and sure enough, they use it to open the cool-looking box, and wouldn't you know it, it's a bomb. It's the bomb, Zach. It's the bomb. (laughs) And it's blinking. I feel like I'm in an episode of 24. Yeah, right. Or X-Files. Or <laughs> yes. <both>. Yes. <laughs> and it's got the threat of taking out all of Orange County. Yes, the whole thing. And they can't move it because jostling the Ark might make it angry. And you don't want to see this box when it's angry. I, I misheard you at first. I thought you said Jocelyn as in the name, not Jocelyn as in the action. Oh, Jocelyn no. the Ark. And I'm like, who's Jocelyn the Ark? <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. It's actually Joan. It's Joan of Arc. Joan, Joan the Arc. <laughs> ah! oh, sorry, uh, carry on. You don't want to see Joan when she's angry. No, she'll take out your army. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, and they have 16 hours to solve the problem, or this arc will get very, very angry indeed, and quite literally, blow its top off. Mm-hmm. And but all bang. of Orange County with it. Meanwhile, Carter has successfully hacked into Kefler's files. Sure enough, in all the used-to-be-sekmet stuff, Kepler found a canopic jar with a Gould symbiote inside it. Mm-hmm. Kepler then spliced the Gould DNA with a human to create a human Gould hybrid creature. Now, he failed many, many times, but eventually succeeded with Anna. And using nanite technology, Kepler was able to mature his hybrid very quickly. His goal... Getting the Gould information that could one day save the Earth. Mm. Huzzah! Uh, Huzzah. (laughs) One thing with this experiment Kepler didn't anticipate was that Sekhmet would manifest as a completely different personality within the mind of Anna. Well, Daniel studies the video logs of Kepler's experiment and conversations with Anna. He discovers that Kepler had a device that he used to shock her and force Sekhmet to emerge from Anna's mind. You know that car alarm remote of Kepler's? Yeah, it, it's not a car alarm remote. No. Now, Kepler also callously reveals that Anna has a biotoxin capsule implanted at the base of her skull, and so with the click of a button on his not car alarm remote, his uh, will it will instantaneously kill her when he's finished with the experiment. It's a lot less painful than other ways to go, so it must be good, right? M- must be, yes. Must yes. be. So, what happened in this warehouse? Kefler forced Sekhmet to emerge, and then apparently let her out of her cage so that she would kill everyone in exchange of getting permanent control of the body. Which uh, that makes sense, right? Sekhmet would want permanent control of the body. That I get that, but then. Anna emerged after killing Anne before Sekhmet could escape. Apparently, Sekhmet also activated the Nakwada bomb in the midst of that. Um, so there's that. Why did Kefler do this? Well, apparently, some of the other scientists actually grew some morals, and that interfered with Kefler's moral-less plan. Mm. So, meanwhile, the SGC calls in their best guy to reprogram the bomb and turn it off, none other than Dr. Lee himself. Dr. Lee and Teal become the pair tasked with saving the day. Yes. Carefully, they poke, and they prod at the bomb. Pulling that crystal may save the day, but it may also be booby-trapped, so obviously don't do that. Oh, and don't pull the yellow crystal. No. That's, that's clearly bad. Everybody knows, don't clip the yellow crystal. Don't do that. Now, usually the blue one, or is it a, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. Usually this one crystal is the timer crystal, so if we carefully connect the timer crystal with our equipment, to that one, uh, apparently the speed of the timer increases and reduces our 16 hours until destruction down to two hours. Just two. This is good news. Good on you, folks. We don't have to wait in anticipation for annihilation. <laughs> it's right around the corner. <laughs> oh, but now, let's cut now, to let's cut to casual action, shall we? Okay. It's now time for. Daniel to save the day by getting the cancel code from Anna. So let's meditate, Anna. You with your candle, me with mine. <laughs> breathe in, <laughs> breathe out. No pressure. We only got uh, you know an hour and a half yet. Yep. Close your eyes. As much time as you need. Close your eyes. You're an evil Guawuld. I know. You're looking at the Nakoda bomb. Now focus on the candle. Breathe in, breathe out. You enjoy massacring innocent people. Breathe in. <laughs> Hold it, 
Hold it. <laughs> hold it. Breathe out. Box and the deactivation <laughs> code is... And suddenly Sekhmet emerges. She's not very nice. She takes the nice candle and sets all those nice charcoal pictures of flame. How rude. Fire! Fire! Security guys rush in! Fire! Fire! Sure enough, Sekhmet escapes, leaving Daniel unconscious on the floor. Of course. Kefler hears some of the cacophony of chaos. He too outwits his guards and escapes. We need to search for all the bad people. Barrett encounters Sekhmet. Sekhmet bonk bonks him on the head and takes the biotoxin remote. Daniel wakes up and searches through the charred remains of the picture and discovers the solution to the Nakoda bomb problem. He Hooray! takes that to Tilk and Dr. Lee and they use it to turn off the bomb. Hooray! Hooray! Sekhmet, or has it been Anna this whole time? What? Confronts Kefler. Anna raises her gun and shoots the evil son of a Nazi scientist. <laughs> Daniel arrives on the scene. Anna has used the biotoxin on herself. No one could save her. She decided to bring an end to it all. Oh. And with the camera pulling back, we see an end to the episode. Yes. And Brent. The end. Mm, yes. Resurrection. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Well, you can't win them all, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you can sure try. Oh boy, um, I saw I saw the writing credit for Shanks, and I saw the directing credit for Tapping, and I'm like, hey, sweet! And as this episode kind of wore on, I'm like, hmm. I mean, it didn't stink. It wasn't a. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible, but it was. <sighs> It was it was abound with very minor plot holes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting that I think we have to ignore, I think, is the um, piece of information that was given that the Gould are. Well, okay, never mind. Okay, I was about to say that the Gould are like genetically predisposed to being jerk faces uh, because. You know, this is this is coming about with 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 spliced DNA, meaning it is literally encoded in there. But then I'm remembering genetic memory, right? Yeah. That weird thing. So, OK, that's a little less that's a little less weird than I was thinking it was at first. Um, <clears throat> the gist of why I thought it was weird at first is that it would imply that every single ghoul out there it, it cannot help but be a <laughs> megalomaniac, uh, you know, in search of 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 domination. Uh, which flies in the face of some other earlier story, which may or may not have been that good, where we saw Gould being all like, I choose a different path. I choose to love Jonas. And I'm going to absolutely sacrifice myself so that my host can go love Jonas now. Um, and uh, yeah, so whatever. We're gonna, I can just bounce right over the top of that. And that's not too much to worry about. Well, to be fair, um, our experience of the Gould to this point is far more in keeping with this episode that they're all jerk faces. Oh, 100%. than with that episode. I'm <clears> just <throat> saying that part of the things that that I decided to to like about that episode of the core, I mean whatever the that episode was we watched. Um was that um <laughs> it was that, fallout. Oh, that's it. Um is that uh, <laughs> is that it gave us this weird little piece of information that I thought might be interesting going forward like not every ghoul world wants to dominate the universe. And so that could have been kind of interesting, but whatever. Um yeah, this thing was just kind of sloppy, and it was. I I think it was. I, I, I it really does look like people were just having fun with it, and that's not a that's not a crime. 
Um, it really looks like they were writing a story that could have been aired on, you know, it could have been an episode of the X-Files. Um, it looked like they were uh, choosing to act and direct it in um, a noir style, which is fine. Um, it looks like they were uh, enjoying a, you know, sort of the harsh way to say it is that it looks like they were playing around at writing an episode and playing around at directing an episode. And that's overly harsh. But I do mean it to imply, like, if I imagine that everyone was having a good time, that this was the final episode of the series, maybe, that they thought maybe that they were shooting, that they thought uh, was happening, that, you know what? Sure. You know, Michael, you wanted a writing credit. You wanted to be, you know, go for it. You know, like, go ahead and write up an episode. Sure. Amanda, you wanted to try uh, directing? No problem. We'll get this thing set up. Uh, we'll shoot it uh, offset, you know, so so it's pretty easy to sort of set up and tear down, all things considered. Um you know, we'll bring in we'll bring in some guest actors that are going to have fun with it. We'll bring back a recurring guest actor. You know what I mean? Like it felt like one of those things of like they were just kind of setting it up to sort of enjoy playing the episode together. And then they filmed mm-hmm. it and then they released it and they released it towards the end of season seven because people are going to forget about it because we're about to go do something else. You know what I mean? Like so. Um, so in that regard, it, it it's not it's not painful um, but on the other hand, like one of the things that was really confusing to me was Anna was like, or Anna was, was, was artificially aged using nanite technology. And we are given this like glimpse of that when she very like childlike is explaining the drawings and everything to Daniel, like as she's sort of drawing it out, drawing it out, but yet also has the, the wherewithal to understand the totality of her situation and then choose to kill herself at the end. It's just like, mm, that, uh, that doesn't line up necessarily. Um, and like the, 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 how and why we got to where we got with the whole plot was kind of a sort of weirdly around the bend, sort of, so to speak. Um, you know, the, the, the evilest of evil doctors, the, the, the cliche of evil doctors sitting there smoking a cigarette, <laughs> smirking and not giving straight answers the entire episode <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> was, was like, it was, it was just kind of like, okay, sure. And, and the urgency that wasn't really urgent that just kept happening over and again, like, you know, we're here to investigate a very serious crime. We got the whole thing, the whole thing locked down tighter than a drum. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're playing investigator. It's, you know, it's NCIS or something. And, you know, we get to, we get to hack into the computers by busting through the encryption protocol that was put onto a computer, whatever, like <laughs> Samantha Carter's smart, but I don't think that that computer had enough horsepower to break its own <laughs> encryption algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's not how it works. But okay, fine. Let's just keep moving. And like, oh no, it's a bomb. <laughs> like, of course it was. We gotta, we gotta stop the bomb. Let's bring in somebody to help us stop the bomb. So they're in, they're in LA. Cheyenne Mountain is, I mean, okay, I guess it's what a three hour, no, probably not two hour, two, two, three hour flight. So I guess that's possible. Um, you know, if it was like a direct situation, uh, 
Yeah. And then, but, but to really just kind of, to, it really hit the absurd level, uh, in the second or sorry, the last third of the episode, particularly around the notion of, oh no, we only have two hours left. Okay. Let's meditate. <laughs> like I, I get it. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the stupidest idea for a story, right? So I'm going to try to get this information out of this childlike mind. Let's meditate on it because that can help. And I'm not going to tell you that we're all going to get blown up in a couple of hours, but I'm really worried that we're not going to get there in time. So it's, it doesn't necessarily fall down, but as far as like the pacing of the episode was concerned, it just didn't really work. Um, you know, this, 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 this urgency. Also the trope of the bomb thing was like, so I saw it coming at 700 miles away. Like, you know, He's he's hooking up his little diodes, and I'm like, and here's the part where the where the where the where the timer speeds up, and what mm-hmm. happened? The timer mm-hmm. sped up. Um, so you know, like, did I like this episode? No, but did I hate this episode? Not at all. Did I think that this was a good one? No, but did I enjoy it nonetheless? Sorta. Um, but did I? You know, was I was I sad when it ended? No, I wasn't sad when it ended. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was ready to be done. So broadly, I'm kind of like a you know I'm in the meh category, but it's kind of like a charmed meh. It's like a yeah, this one is kind of stinks, but um, it's, you know I, I don't I don't hate it. It's it's it it, it has a certain je ne sais quoi, Zach. Ooh, yeah. And I don't je know what that means, quoi. but you know. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what, but um, anyway, what do you think about this episode, Zach? So um, I'm kind of in the same camp of, as you. Uh, I think that it was directed well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Amanda Tapping knew that the story was weak. Yeah. And she was trying to do everything she could possibly do with the directing and the camera and the moving and all that stuff to increase the... Um, the interest of this episode. Absolutely. Right? I forgot to talk about the technical stuff. You carry on, but we'll come back to that. Sure. So, like, as I was listening to the uh, commentary last night, um, she says routinely that uh, this episode had so much information in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this was an episode that was more about telling you what was going on than showing you what oh, was Oh, by a long shot. Right. Um, and, you know, when you have, let me tell you what's going um, you get too much of that, and that's boring. Yeah, oh, yeah. Watch. And so here she is, she's like, okay, let's have this really great, great crane shot, and, you know, like, the opening shot, she was describing this, right? It starts up, the, the camera starts up high, the, the, um, Steadicam operator is on a crane, mm-hmm. and he, the crane lowers him down as they as as Barrett walks in, and then he steps off of the 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 crane as he follows Barrett towards SG One, and they have that conversation, and then he comes back and he he's walking backwards as he's filming them as they're walking towards things. Mm-hmm. He gets back on the crane as they walk into the building and go into the inside. The crane lifts up and moves. And of course, we see that wall break as it just kind of enters into the place. Like all of that is one shot, and it yes. is a fascinating shot. Yes. It's a great way of introducing what this episode is going to be about, and you definitely get the feel of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the that 
cell in the middle of a giant room that uh, at one point in time early on is shot to show how large it is. And then later on, the lighting keeps everything really tight and focused on Mm -hmm. the Daniel and Anna conversations that they have. You know, those things are great. Yeah. The directing is is really fascinating. Uh, Even at the very end, where after Anna has died, uh, you know, she takes the camera and she pulls it through this narrow hallway back and you just kind of feel this claustrophobic feeling of the end of the episode um, brings more emotion to it than this episode has. Mm -hmm. Um, When I realized that this was Michael Shanks's only writing credit, Mm -hmm. I am not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That I hear that Amanda Tapping, um, you know, pivots in her professional career and becomes a near full-time director i'm also not surprised Mm -hmm. this is an episode that is from a directing perspective a little bit rough Um, oh yeah you know uh one a couple things she keeps forgetting to say action so like everybody's standing there ready to go and she's staring at the, the the screen waiting for things to happen and they're all waiting for her to yell action so they yeah. can do stuff yeah uh and she had a lot of you know support to help her through this process um which is great um but you know you can see that that uh the skill of her directing um might be a little bit raw but it's still there Oh yeah, um, you know, but Th- that was that was what I was alluding to when I was kind of saying that it looks like you know it looks like people were playing at it, and I again I don't mean that in a, in a derisive way. I need to find a different way to say it. I just mean to acknowledge like like ha- choosing to have um, uh, who's the Nazi doctor um, Kefler Kefler like having him be so over the top was. I took that to be a directing um, decision and I was like, eh, I mean, we've seen this a billion times. So I didn't really like that. He was that over the top and I took that to be a directing decision. So I'm like, so therefore Amanda tapping made a call that I don't particularly like with this one. But on the other hand, it's tropey. So it's not like it's, it's a wrong call. You know what I mean? So, so I see what you're saying that there's definitely some roughness to it. But of the two, it was the story that was the rougher. And therefore, the directing kind of had to pull it out. I suspect that kind of the, the tropey trope trope of the Doctor had more to do with the teleplay than with the directing. Mm. Um, especially when you, when you look at the whole teleplay and, you know, you've got the bomb yeah. that's, you know, been sitting there in the warehouse or in a warehouse been moved around back and forth all over the place for 60 or 70 years yes after being discovered after being discovered um is there um nobody else tried to open up that panel with the crystals beforehand right um <laughs> you know yeah. the fact that the ba- the bomb might not have been on and that segment got in there and turned it on. I mean, okay, that's plausible. I can yeah. buy that. Um, but the fact that the bomb exists in this situation is just a tropey trope. It's, the tro- it's, it's a trope of a trope. Uh-huh. And then the fact that the the, clock, the, the timer um, all of a sudden <laughs> goes from up. 16 hours to two hours um, 
is is the tropiest of tropes. <laughs> the the fact that you've got your best agent poking and prodding at this, and I know that Bill Dow was working on the laughs, and he's a comedic actor, and he's good with timing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but when I watch this episode and I see this, and I'm like, this is really your best guy? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if if I'm watching a comedy, I'm fine with that. Oh, okay, so this is your best guy, and, and you know, uh, in, in a farce, farce happens. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but this episode wasn't trying to be a comedy. No. Um, but that stuff was trying to be comedic, which, for my money, doesn't fit. It doesn't work for me. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. It, and then, so you get the, 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 the doctor, right? And the doctor who is, you know, tropey trope doctor. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's practically twirling his mustache the entire time. I know! <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, Brad Greenquist, like, does a tremendous job. Uh, Amanda Tapping was talking during the commentary that, that his portrayal of the character was genuinely creepy. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, not him. You know, Brad was wonderful. He was awesome. Yeah. He was great yeah. to work with. Um, incidentally, um, the actor, Brad Greenquist, had like just a few years earlier quit smoking. Oh, yeah. And so they had to bring in some like, you know, non-tobacco cigarettes. Yeah. And all of that um, because he didn't, want to go back to the smoking smoking stuff right um but uh you know it just made the whole room smell bad uh (laughs) yes but you know i mean all of that just yeah it's it's um i i I don't think that this is going to be a forgettable episode but again in that sort of you know it's not quite as baney as bane uh but it is kind of an mst3k kind of a thing where it's just like yeah, I mean, yeah, remember that one time where we ran into that, uh, you know, canoptic sealed ghoul who got who got their genes spliced with the with the person who was artificially aged and then like set up the bomb, uh, but only to, uh, you know, only to only to have Daniel think that putting in a candle inside this person's cell is a good idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Amanda Tapping did make a couple of mentions. Uh, she was like, you know, uh, I didn't think it was really a good idea to, like, give this woman a candle in her cell. Yeah. It just strikes me as a really bad idea. Uh, likewise, it, she felt it kind of implausible that Kefler would be able to just get the guards uh, taser and tase yeah. him so easily. And yet, both of those were things that were necessary for the plot to continue. And so yeah. she had to keep it and do it. And, you know, you hear things like that, and I'm like, okay, so what we're seeing here is Amanda knows that her good friend Michael <laughs> has written this episode. Written a stinker. And, <laughs> and this episode is not the greatest television she's ever experienced. No. <laughs> and yet she needs to do her darndest to make it exciting and, you know, work. So it, it is kind of then a little bit disappointing to learn that Tapping's shot at directing was with with this, right? And 
you know, Michael's shot, you know, uh, uh, Shanks is shot at um, writing was this and it went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good to hear that that tapping took this and then kept kept going with it. Um, because, yeah, I mean, this this story is this story is kind of this, this story is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I wanted to say about the technical stuff. Yeah. Is that I did notice that the lighting was just it was so good. <laughs> the lighting yes. was so good. Um, I didn't really notice slash appreciate one of the scenes had Anna not moving enough for me to realize that there was the spotlight shining down through the grate on the ceiling of her cell. I thought that was just like a pattern on her dress or something. And then all then later I'm like, Oh, that's, 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 she is, she is um, lit with that classic um, noir uh, uh, framing, which imprisons a person. So they, Mm -hmm. you know, you do that on purpose in order to uh, imply the person is trapped somehow. Now, yeah, Anna, Anna is literally trapped in a cell, but Anna is also metaphorically trapped with this creature that is trying to take over her. Right. So, so we're showing that in the, in the lighting there. And I love it. Also with that is that you've got the, the juxtaposition of Anna in a cell, uh, relatively small and Kefler, her cager is also in a relatively small room. Yeah. With some greats, you know, on that, that they can yep. do the same type of thing. Um, the Because they had to have fire, they couldn't use actual plexiglass. They had to use real glass. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, which meant that uh, when they were dealing with the cage, they had to navigate a lot of uh, reflections. Because, mm. you know, glass reflects. Yeah. Um. And they were actually able to navigate that well. And a few times, they were uh, Amanda was able to really uh, use that to great effect. Like when uh, uh, Shanks was watching uh, Kefler and Anna talk in the in the video dialogues. Yeah, John, right. Right. Uh, you could see his reflection uh, in the screen mm-hmm. until it zoomed in close on the two characters conversation in which case his reflection got was dis- disappears into uh the background of their shot mm-hmm. and then when you need him back they pull back a little bit and you see his reflection in the dark of the the the, the frame again yeah. and you know i mean uh that's all practical effects and oh, yeah. such and and that was just really well done and uh brings in that third party to this our hero Daniel Jackson yeah into their conversation um even though he's not there at all so and you have to do that kind of lighting that extreme lighting especially when your sets are as minimal as they are right so yeah. we we've got these well lit scenes within the these well lit spots within the lab we have these well lit spots in the imprisonment room, broadly speaking, everything else is really, really, really dark. And again, that's another noir thing that allows your imagination to fill in the gaps. Um, it draws your attention to the spots where it needs to be drawn. Um, you know, third man, um, Orson Welles's third man was like so good with the use of of extreme lights and extreme darks in order to portray the story i was feeling a lot of that same vibe here 
And bringing it back to the bringing it back to that 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 imprisonment lighting, Kefler was always lit with bars, um, even mm-hmm. when, even when he was dead. Uh, in that pull away shot down the hallway, as we're seeing our lit zones just shrink into the distance, we go past him, and he is top lit through another grate. But you know, the entire time Kefler was imprisoned, and the entire time Anna was imprisoned, and uh, that motif was noticed and it was it was um on point and it was it was germane to the story and it brought in a little bit more to this you know not that great of a story in general and i don't know if that was written into the teleplay or not um i kind of doubt it just given the totality of this particular story but it might have been because it was so tropey maybe you know maybe it was you know you know you know kefler uh, I lit, have through, a lit through suspicion. the greats that that was something uh, that Amanda Tapping brought into it. Yeah. Um, the 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 teleplay certainly gave the space for those things. Yeah. Um, but I'm not convinced that they were, like, part of the teleplay. Now, one thing that I... One thing that I, I'm a little bit curious about... Okay. I wonder if... And maybe this was addressed in maybe the commentary. I wonder if there was any creative tension between shanks and tapping on this one because shanks is right there in the room um so the the way that tapping described it is that she was um excited to have shanks right there yeah so that she could you know have conversations with him about what his vision was yeah so that um you know there there from what the way she described it it sounds like there was a positive collaborative process yeah which, yeah, I mean, I buy that. When I say creative tension, there could have been a negative collaborative process, and that would have been just as realistic. Right. And it wouldn't have had to have been like a like a friendship breaker. It would just be a thing of, I think we should light it this way. Well, in my head when I wrote it, I kind of thought this other thing. Well, I kind of think we should light it this way. Um, you know, that's that's possible, probable yeah. even. And, but that's and, good to hear. Know, that, actually, that, that is actually, you know, two people who are doing good communication to collaborate on a project to make it the best thing. That's true. Yes. Um, I don't know if that happened. I would be somewhat surprised if a conversation similar to that didn't happen. Um, because, you know, even though this episode shows that Michael Shanks is not the greatest writer of a teleplay. Yeah. Um, we still know that Michael Shanks is not a dumb person. No, 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 no. Right. And and there are actually things in this epi- in this episode in this writing uh, that that show that there is some nuance, even though there is also a lot of trophy trophy. Yeah. Um. And so within that, you know, his ability to communicate with tapping and and have that conversation, I suspect, was something that was a generally positive vibe. Mm-hmm. That that's what it. Uh, that's what. Uh, tapping's commentary seemed to yeah so that is uh kind of all i have to say about this it's kind of all i have to say too yeah with with uh um minimal spoiler for lack of a better word um we're not really going to have to worry about anything (laughs) yeah i kind of get that feeling i mean Um, i will say that saying hello to the nanites, which go all the way back to season one, Argus yeah. episode, um, brief candle. Yes, kind of cool. I did. I did appreciate that callback. I also did appreciate the um, 
the really uh, intentional uh, uh, revisits of Egyptian culture, specifically about Ra. Mm-hmm. I liked that. And that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. I think it's safe to say we get to the question. Yeah. Where I ask you, my dear friend Brent. Yep. How many chevrons does resurrection get? Um, yeah, the writing was pretty weak um, and the directing was quite good, but it was still kind of a little rough in certain spots. Uh, there was an awful lot about it technically that was really good, like super, super good. Um, and I just couldn't shake the feeling that people were enjoying making this, even though it wasn't all that great. I just kind of was just, I just kept getting this vibe that people were enjoying making it. And, and I don't know if that's true or not, but it just sensed, I just felt like that was, was happening. And you know, and so as a result, I, I, I don't really hate it. Um, it's not that good. And a person I don't think would be remiss in forgetting about it, you know, uh, thereafter. I think I'm going to give it, uh, I think I'm going to give it a four out of seven. I think that's, I think that on one hand, that's a bit generous. And on the other hand, it's a bit harsh, right? Um, but overall, it was on the positive side of meh for me. Sure. So I had to find enough time, but I, I, I'm not going to be popping this thing back up anytime soon to watch it. <laughs> uh, so four out of seven for me. What about you? So, um, Kind of everything you just said would echo my thoughts. Um, you know, the teleplay is weak, in my opinion. Um, the actors did look like they seemed to be enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the directing uh, was pretty solid, uh, if if rough, um, but not even all that rough. Uh, you know, the the editing really made it clean and, and good. So I, I'm, but. I am uh, not going to be quite so generous <laughs> on this. Um, the this is not an episode that you know. the The most exciting thing about this episode for me is that I'm like, hey, this is an episode written and directed by two of my favorite characters. Yes, and that's as far as it goes. <laughs> so, so if the episode ended about. 30 seconds after the title cards, you'd have been like, you know, five, five out of seven. <laughs> uh, you know, so like the way this begins, you know, you got that noir quality. You've got this uh, creepy warehouse. They're coming in. They're dealing with something. Yeah. Uh, they don't know what it is. Uh, you know, it's got a great start. Uh, it just doesn't quite land the punch. Yeah. Um, but it's not awful. It's not awful. And, you know, a lot of the technical stuff, as we talked about, really brings it up. You know, if you pay attention to the directing and the camera movement and all that stuff, um, it's, it's actually a visually stunning episode. There's definitely parts about it that are artfully done, no question. Yeah. Uh, so all that is to say, this is on the lower side of meh for me and gets a three. (laughs) Gets a three. Yep. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All good right. stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, we have our predictions. Yeah. And I also, I, I, uh, I've got the Twitters. I got the Twitters ready right. to go. All right. Hit us up with the Twitters. All right. So we've got, uh, we've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. You want a prediction? I'll give you this. 
and then it's uh it's asterisk 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 in an extremely frustrated manner. You ready for this? Okay. Erg. There's a lot of H's in that uh, in that erg. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we got from Kevin. <laughs> All right. That's it. All right. Well, here's the Facebooks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We start with Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen says, keeping this one short and sweet. This is Amanda Tapping's directing debut, and since then, she's moved her focus from acting to directing, and she did a pretty decent job. Mm -hmm. I'm all for that, so yay for Amanda. Also, there's a really cute behind-the-scenes of Amanda and Michael kissing, uh, and she actually has a picture of it where they're goofballing, kissing each Mm. other. Um, So there you go. Um, The plot, meh, just forgettable. Yep. I mean, this is actually a two. Oh, heavens, okay. I don't okay. skip it when rewatching it, because I don't skip. I might, however, end up doing anything except for paying attention to the screen. <laughs> for Brent and Zach, I'll be bold this week. Two and a half for Zach, oh, and close. Brent gives it a four, because he found something that gave him plenty of food for thought, and because of certain element of chaos in his Chevron rating. Uh, you got it right on the money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Jen, I could totally see a two and a half. Um, uh, I, I gave it that half extra Chevron and uh, maybe even a full Chevron uh, just because I think the directing is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Paula. Hi, Paula. Paula says, I really wanted to watch this episode but I kept getting distracted. Not a good sign. I stopped after two-thirds, and the tab is still open on my laptop, waiting for it to be finished. It had not much of a Stargate vibe. I felt like I was watching an episode of The X-Files, but sadly, not one of the better ones. (laughs) (laughs) I wished there was some change in scenery. There simply wasn't enough gripping content for this kind of bottle episode. The story didn't leave an impact on me. A lot of it felt quite... I want to give Amanda Tappan credit for her directing debut, but I don't know enough about directing to know if she did a good job. But I assume it was fine. Nothing strange caught my eye. It's really more the story that I didn't enjoy. But on a more positive note, I loved the acting of Brad Greenquist, who played Dr. Keffler. Mm -hmm. He was quite charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like a breath of fresh evil air. <laughs> fresh evil? Hmm. <laughs> I would give this episode two and a half chevrons, and mm-hmm. I'm predicting two from Brent and a three from Zach. Yep, yep, got yours. Um, Rowan responds, all you have to do is to turn an X-Files episode into a Stargate episode is add the word Gua-Wooled into the script a couple of... <laughs> Ta-da! There you go. Uh, we have Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Adrian says, I really don't remember this episode even after watching the trailer, which isn't a good sign. Seven total. Four from Zach and three from Brent. Got the total right and got it slipped around. Yeah, just flip those around and you got it right. Yeah. Brent, Brent's agent of chaos added just a little bit of uh, suds to it. Cha- it's not that chaotic. I told you why, but yes. I'm, I'm just, you know, leaning into it. Just leaning into it. Okay. All right, now we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hey, Agent What's-His-Name is back. 
This time he's investigating scary girls in boxes, campy mm-hmm. chain-smoking Nazis, <laughs> and the possibility of dinner with Sam. Yeah, it's possible. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, she is seeing someone else. <laughs> very unfortunately. <laughs> Are you, Sam? Are you? Because you don't have to. You don't have to see that guy. It's it's fine. Honestly, honestly, she'd probably be better off with Malcolm. Mm. Uh, Anyway, meanwhile, Daniel checks out a cache of looted artifacts, including a mysterious Ark, which he immediately tries to open because apparently he has never seen an Indiana Jones movie. Nope. Inside is a bomb activated by the mystery girl, and only she can turn it off before it destroys Los Angeles. Also, Dr. Lee is back, and on the good anti-anxiety meds. <laughs> yep. Teal'c is wearing his Murray hat, and yep. Jack decided this plot was too uninteresting to be worth it. <laughs> Y'all have fun, kids. <laughs> uh, this is not a great episode, and I'm pretty sure it has little relevance to future events. Brent will be feeling charitable and give it a three, but Close. Zach won't be able to muster up better than a two and a half. Yep. This Close. episode has an IMDb rating of 6.9, hmm. which is a 2.5 chevrons, uh, putting it in the bottom 25% of Stargate episodes. Yep. 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 All right. And now we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. I'm sorry you had to watch this episode. It's <laughs> rated among the lowest of the season, but next week... Has to be better, right? 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 Uh, I found this story boring, but the directing was decent. Mm-hmm. As Zach mentioned earlier, this was Amanda Tapping's directorial debut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did you know that, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> and the beginning of the episode will eventually lead... Uh, and the beginning of what will eventually lead to a career as a director once Stargate ends. Mm-hmm. And as for being written by Michael Shanks, I think I heard somewhere that Michael's script was changed a lot from what was written, but I'm not sure if that's true, as I didn't see any other writing credits. Because this episode was boring, I had plenty of time to think of notes to write, but it was so boring that not much inspired me, so I only have a few. Okay. All right, number one. Do you think Daniel hung out with his ascended stepson, uh, the Harcesis, while he was ascended? If he did, it's sad that he lost all those memories from when he was ascended. That's actually a decent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Number two, which Orange County was Dr. Lee talking about? Orange County in California or Orange County in Florida? Uh, We are talking about 948 square miles versus 1,003 square miles, respectively, but that's a huge difference when needing to evacuate people. True. It's Fair. California, but that... Yeah. Is, you know, uh, yeah. Number three. When Dr. Lee says blue is usually power regulation, is he referring to wires when humans make bombs or Googled <laughs> crystal configuration? If anyone is familiar with bomb wiring practices, please let me know. But only <laughs> if it's legal. <laughs> like, like if you're in the military or something. I don't want to know otherwise. I took the uh, I, t- I took the, the the quip about not messing with the yellow crystal to be uh, a trope on not messing with the wire the yellow wire. Yeah. Uh, number four. Does Tilk not know how to high five, or is it just not his thing? He's been on Earth for seven years, so he should know <laughs> how at least. 
do not high five. Uh, overall, a boring episode. Nothing important happens. I think you both are going to give it a three. Yeah, close. Well, at least uh, the lows of the season are over. Hey, nice. All right. And then we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, I honestly don't have much to say about this episode. It did nothing for me. This is a Chevron one, not locked episode for me. I think Brett and Zach will also give this a one and two. Yeah. Not that bad. I hear you, though. Yeah. This this one, this one is forgettable. Indeed. So those are our Facebooks. Mm-hmm. And then if I come Gmails, we have a couple of emails. Uh, one, uh, the first one here I'm going to read is from Lydia Ann, who got this in just under the wire. So, Ooh. Hi, Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. This week on Stargate, Alphabet Soup Investigative Investigative Procedural. Hmm. Yes. Rogue NID is still behaving badly, but insert sarcasm here. The real evil is the scientist with Nazi ties. Yeah, of course. The innocent young girl in a cage gets more attention, a genetic experiment, and source of information rather than as a victim. Yes. More attention as a genetic experiment. Right. And all Anna wants is a measure of control over her own life, which she gets in the end. Also with bonus neck with a bomb. Yes. The use of in uh, of reflections in the camera work with the man with Anna and Daniel is interesting and makes me wonder what I'm supposed to be seeing in the episode. Mm. Who is on display? How do circumstances and the environment reflect how you see others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. Uh, her prediction. Brent is going to give this four chevrons. Right on the money. And Zach is going to give it three. Oh, Lydia Ann, you got it! Lydia Ann, you got it! Congratulations, Lydia Ann. And finally, from David, we have another X-Files chevron encoding cigarette-smoking man bias buffer. Yes! Hi, David. In the words of Ergo, boring. I think if Ergo showed up, things would start making more sense. Ah, yes. No, not really. It wasn't that boring. It just wasn't that exciting. It was a filler episode, and one they could do without RDA because he conveniently took a staff blast to the chest last week and is still recuperating. Yes. The stuff about the NID was indeed interesting, as was the Anasekmet hybrid, but in the end, this was a one-off with very little impact on the meta story, Mm -hmm. except for the NID stuff, but they're all dead now. Uh, normally, I would trash an episode like this for its irrelevance at the end of the season and how I expect more of a ramp up to the season finale. However, we had a tough episode last week and stuff is about to go down. So the palate cleanser here is okay, I guess. It's just not that strong of an episode on its own. Brent? Nope. Yeah. yeah. Four chevrons for okay. the, well, that happened factor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right and on. Zach. Yeah. Uh, Four chevrons as oh, well, maybe so because we talked about this episode a bit on the other side of the gate. Ah. We did, and uh, that did not play into my uh, chevron uh, rating this week, um, but very close. Did you guys have an no. episode on completely irrelevant episodes? No, we... <laughs> Pop quiz, Zach. Why did you talk about it? <laughs> I can't remember. David, That's why fine. did we talk about this episode? Doesn't matter. Go, go you know, Hey, friends, you can you can listen to the other side of the gate where I'm, Zach and David talk about spoilery things. I'm pretty sure that's one of the earlier episodes of the other side of the gate. Yeah. Um, so 
that should be available to pretty much everyone far and wide. Yep. So, Brent. Yes. Those are our predictions. Yes. Uh, next week, we have the next episode. We say goodbye to Resurrection. Uh-huh. And we say hello to Inauguration. Oh, I know, I know. And I, know. I ask you, tell me all about Inauguration. Oh, next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team don't even go anywhere. All they do is they watch the news. And who gets who gets elected? Who is it, Zach? I know who it is. Who I mean, is it? I mean, I, I don't know until I see it, but it's totally going to be Kinsey. It's going to be Kinsey. President Kinsey is going to happen. We're going to have the events of 2010 start to happen in 2004. <laughs> it's going to just start occurring. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be now. The future is now. Now is now, Zach. It's now. So join us next time. But what's going to happen? Okay, so, so Kinsey's going to get inaugurated, and the first thing he's going to do... Oh, yeah, this is it. He's going to shut down the program. <laughs> He's totally going to shut down the program, or at least threaten to. And so, what's going to happen? So, he's going to threaten to shut down the program, and therefore, uh, something needs to happen to make him change his mind. So, we're going to get... Uh, we're going to get Ball. That's who we're going to get. We're going to get Ball. He's going to show up in ships. And so all this time, Earth has been kind of a little bit sort of almost aware. Like, you know, there's been these really strange events that they have to keep. Nah, we're going to have an Independence Day style invasion thing happening. And it's going to be just all in. We're going to be inaugurated into the invasion of the Ball fleet on Earth. How's that? How do you think about that? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, shall we watch the promo? <laughs> sure, let's go. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate Ooh, SG-1. This is different. So we have a new president, and it's his first day in office. Uh-huh. And he has to meet with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yeah. He says, Mr. President, we need to talk about the Stargate program. And then the president's all, what do you mean Stargate program? What do you mean we've been to other planets? I never heard any of this. So it takes a little time to sit back and absorb this. And then guess who comes in? It's Vice President Kinsey. Yeah, Vice President. Vice President. Mr. President, the Stargate program was horribly mismanaged and somebody needs to take it over. And then the chairman of the joint piece says, no, they're cool. They know what they're doing. The vice president then brings in his secret, Mr. Oh, Weasley, hey. who's been running an investigation yes. reports back to the White House that no, really, things are terribly run there. And then there's a secret meeting between Kinsey and Woolsey and Kinsey's old. Did we win? Do I have control over the Stargate program yet? The president <laughs> then brings in his good buddy, General George Hammond, and says, George, we're friends. Why didn't you ever tell me about the Stargate program? I couldn't, Mr. President. It was top secret. You weren't authorized. Anyway, they all get together and they start to argue about the Stargate program. And they talk about how we're fighting aliens and how the aliens have giant spaceships. <laughs> but we have spaceships too and people have died Aww. and other weird things have happened to people. And we have aliens on the team. And then we have aliens telling us what to do. And our big team, SG-1, <laughs> is just a bunch of jerks. And then the commander of the SG-1 team is just totally disrespectful for anybody. And it's just a big argument and then nothing gets done about it. <laughs> So after all that, they look at the president and go, Mr. President, what are you going to do about the Stargate program? And if you haven't figured it out by now, it's a clip show. Oh! I forgot to bring my video files with me. But it is all next time on Stargate FG. Oh, 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 that's fantastic. Oh, man. Oh, nuts. I got a clip show next week. Yes. I thought Kinsey was running for president. Ah, but was he?
I, I mean, that's what I was told. <laughs> no, no. So, so I am thankful that you thought it was Kinsey this whole time. Uh-huh. Because everybody else was, you know, scared that it was going to be Kinsey. They, they intentionally designed it. I mean, way back in whenever the Starsky and Hutch episode was. Yes. And they, they forced him to announce his pre- candidate for presidency. Yes. Candidacy for presidency. Uh, you know, all the way back then, uh, they have been playing this up. That, that you know, But notice the last time we saw him, he was he didn't say that he was running for president. He said, my running mate and I. Yes. Are doing this and this and this. Um, it was very clear and careful that he never says I'm running for president. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I, when I did the synopsis, I told you I copied it from Wikipedia and I said, this synopsis is a lot better. It's a lot cleaner. And I got to the spot where it was talking about Kinsey running for vice president. I'm like, what? They totally got this wrong. And so I edited it for president, <laughs> not, <laughs> not the Wikipedia page <laughs> for my own thing. And then I was like, how, how is it that the fandom got this wrong? Like, <laughs> you'd think that they'd be more on it than this. <laughs> oh, fun. Nice. So, well, so I guess, I, yeah, good job on keeping that spoiler. Yeah. Uh, suffice to say, Brent, yes, it is a, um, it is a clip show. Okay. Uh, but it's an important clip show. You did tell me that Stargate does clip shows better than, and I tell you what, last time we did a clip show, I decided to try to make a clip show and it was the hardest thing I had ever, I'm not doing it again. (laughs) Nope, not happening. You know, it might be easier the second time. I'm not doing it. It's flat out. No. (laughs) Okay. So we might have another uh, casual conversation next week. Okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, so, uh, again, special thanks to David. Yes, um, thank you, David. Thank you for putting together something really awesome and fun, uh, even though you didn't have all of your recording equipment and all of the stuff you needed to have while you no. were in a foreign country. <laughs> uh, that'll teach that you to go out. through customs without your stuff. Mm. No, I, I, I don't know. I got nothing there. Okay. <laughs> but Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll say tell us what you think about this episode tell us what you think about inauguration tell us what you think about Stargate tell us what you think about whatever you want to tell us if you've got the best taco recipe on Ooh. the planet let us know I, and let it, Brent it will certainly lettuce? put that on the website uh, yeah right after I put uh-huh. up the grilled cheese recipe I knew it I knew it <laughs> hey maybe after I'm done moving I'll have more time you know, they say that adulthood is saying, and next week I will have a little bit more time over and over and over again until you die. Friends, I've been doing this thing for a year now. I'm talking about the move and not just like the move. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing. It's been a year. Almost done. Monday's going to be done. I'm going to be done on Monday. And then uh-huh. other things going to start. Uh, yeah. <sighs> it, 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 Monday is going to be a remarkable day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, it is going to uh, be the culmination of many months of hard work. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it is not going to be the conclusion no, no. of hard work. <laughs> There's still so much to do. 
<laughs> oh my gosh there's the staircase and the hallway and the kitchen needs to be rethought of and the the, the back porch thing is all of wreck and then the den we're not even gonna talk about the den my gosh and then the living room still needs to be touched up but the bedrooms are gonna be finished and the bathrooms we gotta completely redo it just, just, so just can't do it and then if there's the you parapet want wall to go and help brent fix all of this stuff out as he's talking you can email oh, us at walkingthroughthestargate@gmail.com, and he can hook you up with this house so you can fix it. For- uh, no. But hey, hey, that was a nice that was that was a nice gesture. I appreciate that. <laughs> or you can talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, or the Facebook page, or the Discords, or the Patreons, or whatever it is. So uh, keep this going, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes. Um, With that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.